0: Ben City Manager Eric King joining us on the phone. How are you doing this morning, Eric?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
0: I am doing well. I kicked Frank out of the chair, decided I wanted to talk (laughs) to you today. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you did not have a city council meeting last night. We normally talk to you after council has all their, you know, evening stuff. So instead, I'm really hoping you can give us an update on how enforcement of the city's camping code is going. And it took effect or or started to get enforced, right, early March. So we've had a couple months in. How are things going?
1: You know, I think overall it's going uh, fine. I think we, as we do with any code, we always look to make tweaks along the way. Um, and so we're keeping a list of things that we might need to improve and take to council in a couple of months after probably about a six-month review. But in general, um, you know, the, the code is pretty straightforward. It, it regulates time, place, and manner of folks uh, camping on the right-of-way on city property. That's the intent. And it's to, uh, to you know, make sure that those uh, public spaces are, are available for everyone. Ah, uh, so those time restrictions. Uh, camping can can uh, take place for only 24 hours. Um, place uh, we have restricted where camping can occur on. No camping can occur on residential land, or land near the Deschutes River, um, and then within a thousand feet of of shelters that are permitted. Um, and then on the manor side, the the lo- uh, um footprint of a camp needs to be about a 12 by 12 area. So it doesn't prohibit camping. And, and some of that is uh, related to federal uh, cases. Uh, the Ninth Circuit, uh, Martin versus Boise, really prevent cities from you know, criminalizing homelessness. Um, so what we can do is, uh, though, through state legislation, regulate time, place and manner of camping. That's what we've done. It began, as you said, May fir- uh, March 1st. Uh, we're just a few months into it. I would say one of the things that we're learning is, you know, the, we had an issue on Mary Rose Place recently with a structure in the and it was a structure and it wasn't quite a camp, but it wasn't quite a, an RV or a vehicle. And so there was a lot of back and forth with that. And eventually it was removed. But there's things like that that, uh, you know, the code wasn't built for some of those uh, more gray areas that will just uh, adjust as we go forward.
0: It may be people trying to find loopholes as people do. That's just kind of the human way. Um, One of the things we've seen since Bend, I mean, City Council approved that code months ago, what, last fall? And it just yeah. took months to take effect. Since then, we've seen other cities in Oregon working through the a, a similar process. The largest city, Portland, just recently passed their restrictions much stricter than what we've seen in Bend, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, their guidelines say no camping in almost any area. There are a few exceptions, but very few exceptions. Between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. So the, that city saying... If you have no other place to stay, you can stay overnight, but then you have to pick up all of your stuff and leave again. Whereas Bend, they're allowed to stay 24 hours. Why? Why not go that stricter route like we're seeing Portland do?
1: Well, that that uh, that actually proposed that proposal was brought forward to council of just an overnight, uh, much like Portland. Uh, there just wasn't council support for uh, for that re- for that much of a restriction. So there was a, and there was. Actually, it was a 4-3 vote here at, uh, in Bend. Um, there were some councillors that didn't even like the 24 hours and wanted to have more time. So there was the the kind of a compromise uh, when that policy was being crafted last fall.
0: And in Portland, they're saying they will cite people. And and that's something, at least from what I had been hearing from some of the city councillors, they're tr- really trying to avoid having a, basically issuing a ticket to someone who probably can't afford to pay it. What kind of enforcement, aside from education, is Bend willing to do?
1: We do. We have uh, uh, the same process of being able to cite in our code. Um, It's not uh, our go-to place, but if somebody is... Um, not cooperating, and, and we've made multiple attempts to try to educate, and it's not working, um, we will use it. We have not used that yet, but but it is an option for us to use.
0: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about fish passage, switching switching gears largely yeah. to Mirror Pond. Uh, that That's a process that's been going on for years, trying to figure out how to manage fish passage through, through the system at Mirror Pond. The city, you guys had a joint meeting recently with the team that's been working on that. Where is that at?
1: Yeah, last night we met with the Parks Board, the City Council and Parks Board met. Uh, this is after about a two-year process where a committee was looking at how can we safely get fish uh, past the Muir Pond Dam. That's the dam that's created, that that uh, uh, results in Muir Pond. Uh, that was uh, constructed in 1911. It's owned and operated by Pacific Power. So the ultimate recommendation from that group is a nature-like fish passage. Um, if you think of fish ladders, there's different options that, that were evaluated. And what the group uh, landed on was a, 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 actually a cost-effective uh, natural fish passage. So kind of the next steps are um, to apply for funding and really seek clarity on who would own and operate that fish passage, um, so those, there's some, some more work to do, but that was kind of a condition of a uh, resolution that both the Park Board and the City Council passed in 2019 that said, you know, we, we are interested in looking at mere, preserving mere Pond at its current level, but we want to see some environmental benefits, including fish passage, to be evaluated. We've done that. So it's all part of a bigger plan to uh, to, to go back to this 2015 vision of mere Pond. It's just very complicated and costly, and there's not real clear... Kind of ownership on, on these issues. It's been uh, and there's a long history with Mirror Pond in kind of maintaining it. It is it's not a city facility. Um, it parks you know benefits from it because the Drake Park is right along along, along with some homeowners. So there's multiple partners involved, and anytime there's um, those multiple parties, things just take a little bit longer.
0: Well, and it's it's an interesting coordinated effort because the city you really don't get legally you don't have a say, right? It's not your property.
1: Nope, it's the Pacific Power owns the dam. And, you know, there was some confusion a few years ago. There was initially some statements from Pacific Power saying they were going to remove the dam, and they've uh, changed that stance and, and now are committed to continuing the dam. Um, so, you know, I think that's what really informed a lot of the process. If the dam is going to stay there, this is the last remaining uh, barrier in terms of fish passage along Deschutes River. So there is a lot of importance and I think uh, some potentially – good opportunities to fund uh, the project because um, it is now, you know, the remaining barrier.
0: There's been a lot of uh, statements made by the community, though, concerned that Pacific Power would just Go back to their previous statements and and remove the dam, and then the city and parks and everybody have have spent money to try and work on fish passage. And what happens if the dam gets removed? There's just there are a lot of unknowns, and when you don't have any legal right to anything, it, I imagine that's uh, it's a little anxiety ridden.
1: It, it it is a lot of our <laughs> a lot of our problems these days that we're dealing with are these more community problems that there's not you know one single entity. That has all the control that's sort of shared or things that are outside of your control that you're trying to influence. So the, the, they tend to be a lot more challenging. You're going to, kind of to nudge address. your
0: way into the conversation yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whether they want it or not. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left. Talk to me real quick about what's happening with the budget.
1: Yeah, so our next council meeting is on July, our June 21st, next week Wednesday, and we will be approving our uh, two-year budget. We've met already through a budget committee and uh, made some changes to the budget, including some general fund allocations towards uh, affordable housing, uh, as well as helping to uh, kind of decrease some of the pressure on our Permit fees, particularly planning fees, um, so the committee kind of wrestles with the budget, and now it's in front of council for formal adoption. Along with our goals, we have goals that really help inform the budget. All that gets packaged and voted on next week uh, at the council meeting.
0: There was a lot of talk during, not only during the negotiations for the budget, but even before that, looking at how the city pays for ongoing management of the new shelters that that kind of came about without really being a budgeted item. Is that now in the budget?
1: The The budget really does reflect um, the the assumption that there are state and federal revenues that will continue to, to help provide uh, assistance in operating the shelters. Um, we have, uh, as I said, increased some subsidy to our affordable housing, but we're really avoiding the general fund contributing to operations of a core service that's just not part of a city function. Uh, so in total, we've spent... Uh, about 3% of the total operations of and, and, and acquisition and renovations of shelters, about 3% of those funds have come from the general fund. So we really tried to avoid that as much as possible, and, and you know we're going to continue to do that in the future. We do have some requests in Salem right now with the legislature. On uh, continued support, we're not alone. Many cities saying, in you, you and and every, have the same. You and everybody else have requested the legislature. So we right for now. <laughs> you know a little more clarity in Salem, uh, or if it doesn't happen with this session, then a special session with the budget. So, so we've been advocating with our partner cities to ensure continued operations of those
0: shelters. That's a tough assumption, though, hoping that state and federal funding will just continue when there's no guarantee.
1: It is. It's not an ideal situation, but uh, again, the we just don't have the local funds to support ongoing operations. So we really are relying on state and federal dollars. And again, we're we're not alone. This is this is the plight that many cities are, are in.
0: Yep. Ben City Manager Eric King, we are out of time but thank you so much.
1: Thank you.